Good morning. My name is Kurt. I'm the campus pastor here in Tunkanic. And let me just tell you, I, I just love that worship this morning. Isn't it awesome to just worship God? Man, I just loved it um, to have that opportunity. Sometimes I have to try and regain my focus here because um, I get really excited. Um, so we've been going through this series, this vision series, and we've talked about how everyone has a next step the past two weeks. And this week we're going to be talking about Life is Better Connected, which is, I don't know if I really should have favorites, but it is sort of my favorite because like small groups, I love small groups. Um, And so this one's on Life is Better Connected. That's what we're talking about today. So to start us off, I have a question for you. How many of you can name five of the most impactful sermons that you've heard off the top of your head? Real quick. Okay, all right, I don't see any hands. Okay, now, how many of you can name five of the most influential people that you've had in your life off the top of your head? All right, there we go. There's, there's some, some on that one. So, which one of these questions is easier to answer? You know, here at Bridgewater, we strive to have our messages be biblical and relevant. But the reality is most of the change in your life occurs on a personal level. When you're connected with someone that prompts you to move forward or encourages you to be the best that you can be. I want to share with you about a volleyball. How many of you have ever been friends with a volleyball? No takers? <laughs> oh, there's one up front. <laughs> okay, so um, I want to share with you if any of you have ever seen the movie Castaway. In the movie Castaway, Tom Hanks' character is uh, crashes in a plane and winds up on a deserted island. And on that deserted island, he, he struggles. He struggles to survive. And during that struggle, it shows the need that he has, that we all have, for social connection. Because what ends up happening, he accidentally creates a personality in the volleyball. And does anyone know the name of the volleyball? Wilson. All right, yes. Wilson. Wilson was pretty cool. All right. So Wilson's the volleyball. And There's a turning point in the movie where he's able to talk and interact with the volleyball and have social connection in a way and interact with his thoughts, um, which makes a big difference. Again, this is a fictional movie. But the idea here is, is that, you know, when we don't get that social connection, sometimes we might even create it. And so we see that in that movie, um, Castaway. And what what I want you to do is to imagine for a second that a man named Fred walks into our church. Fred walks in on a Sunday morning. He begins to feel anxious. And that anxiety leads him to think negative thoughts about himself and the perception that people have around him. Some of the guest services people are very nice and kind to him. And he's taken back. And he's like, wow. These people at Bridgewater are really nice. And he says, I think I'll stick around. But after a while, he reverts back 
to what are called core beliefs. Core beliefs are deeply held beliefs that someone has about themselves or someone else. So then he begins to rationalize. Oh, they're only nice to me because they have to be. They don't really mean it. I'm no good. No one has ever really liked me. So why would these people at Bridgewater like me? Fred stops attending church. Now what happened here? Fred liked coming. We were kind and loving. Imagine if Fred was invited to a small group and he accepted that invitation. Each week, Fred Fred met with a group of people that loved Jesus. They got to know him. They got to know his his vulnerabilities and, and, and and they got to know one another. And as he got to know them, he began to recognize that they knew him and yet they loved him. So Fred begins to believe the evidence that others really can love him. And most importantly, he learns the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Because you see, we're only here if we're just coming on Sunday morning and it's awesome. Like I said, I, I love the worship. And, but if, we, if we're not connecting throughout the week, then people are left with their thoughts throughout the week, whatever they are, whatever they're rationalizing with. Because the reality is, is that every time your character has grown, someone else was involved. So we want to encourage you at Bridgewater to join a group of like-minded, like-hearted people. One of the most amazing moments I had when I used to do uh, group therapy, I would do uh, mental health therapy for depression, anxiety, anger, um, all sorts of things. And, you know, someone would be sharing their story. They'd be sharing about maybe their experience with depression. And they'd share their story, and you'd see another individual whose eyes would light up. And suddenly they'd say, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. Other people would experience this too. Then there would be a connection. Walls would come down, and people would be honest about their struggles. Some of the most amazing moments would come when I'd have a person that had been in group for a while, and then have a new person come. And the person that had been in group for a while would give encouragement or advice to, that, to the new person. And I wouldn't have to say anything. And I would love it because you know what? Oftentimes it meant more coming from a peer than it did from me. And so, so I've seen change occur utilizing group dynamic. Now, I want you to understand our small groups at Bridgewater, they're not, they aren't therapy groups. Um, they're not professional counselors as small, small group leaders all the time. But imagine, imagine how much could happen if a group of followers of Jesus were together with one mind set on the same purpose. So encouraging you to join a group of people moving together to become more like Jesus. You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, verse 32. It says, All the believers were, in, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, 
but they shared everything they had. So there's a group of people moving together in the same direction. They made a transfer from me to we. They were all in this together. And in that verse, it says, all the believers. So we're talking about, back in Acts 4.4, it talks about that there were at least 5,000 men, not including women and children. So this is a large group of people. Acts 2.46 says that these people were involved in two groups. They were part of the larger group where thousands met on Saturday or Sunday in temple courts, and then there were small groups that met in homes and ate together. I think that's a good pattern for us to follow. We meet here on Sunday morning, and if Bridgewater isn't the church for you, find one that you can attend, but don't, start, don't stop with that large group. The smaller group is even more important because that's where we can share, as it says in that verse, they shared everything they had. Usually, you have to know people and meet people in order to share with people, right? Which brings us to our second step in the spiritual growth process, and that is to share with others and let, let others share with you. So we want to share spiritually with others. Verse 33. With great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. So they began to share about the specific work that Jesus had done in their lives. They shared about how Jesus was their forgiver and leader, and they shared stories about how they came to Jesus. Last week, I shared with you my story about my salvation story and how I came back to Jesus. And that can be so powerful because you know what? The word grace means unmerited favor. It means that sometimes that something was given to you that you don't deserve. That's why our stories can be so powerful because it's not a me show. It is a look at Jesus moment. Look at what he did in my life. Imagine what he could do in yours. So we're to share spiritually with others. We're also to share financial needs. Verses 34 to 37. That there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is describing real support. These are not people checking off the box and saying, oh, yep, I'm in a group. They make sacrifices to be there. They talk outside of group. They encourage and support one another. James, in his letter to Christians, says this. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Following Jesus means doing what he did. That means giving, sacrificing in tangible ways for others. Our faith isn't just something we talk about. It's something we do. Who are you sharing with? 
When was the last time you met a physical need for someone? A man told me one time that he was working on a project in the city for an elderly lady with a whole group of people. And while they were working, these, these other people walked by and he asked them if they would like to help. And these people said, oh no, we don't want to help. We're just going and sharing the gospel. We're sharing about Jesus with other people. And this man was astounded because he was like, well, wait a second. <laughs> um, he asked those Christians if they would help and they, they weren't willing to help. Part of sharing Jesus with others means sometimes meeting physical needs. The focus today is on life is better connected. But another core value of ours is we give because he gave. These are not separate ideas. They feed into each other. When you get to know people, you care more about them. You're more likely to help with physical or financial needs. When you help someone with physical or financial needs, it strengthens that bond. So we want to be willing to reach out and to help them with those physical needs. Another thing is, is that sharing is countercultural. Many people today crave community, but our society enables us to avoid people. Why meet with someone if you can call? Why call if you can text? Why text words if you can just hit the like button? Now, don't get me wrong, texting is great. I do it all the time, but it's a great supplement to face-to-face -face relationships. I don't think anyone would argue that joining a like-minded group of people is a bad idea. It's a great idea. Life is better connected, but sometimes it's hard to find. Sometimes it's hard to find something that's not just a one-way connection. Sometimes it's hard to find a group where it's mutual sharing and helping, where it's not just one-sided. The goal would be to you help others and others help you in different ways. And that's why we have small groups here. That's why our church has small groups. We don't have small groups because we're supposed to or that's what the bigger, cooler churches do. We have them because we can't figure out a better way to be, get people connected together. For some people, the only time of the week they have spiritual connection is in small group. That's not healthy, but it's better than nothing. The first line of support and care in, in our church is your small group. If you're having surgery, they should be the first to know. And they will also be the ones praying the most. If you're depressed, if you're struggling, that's the forum to find people to rally around you. If you really want to help and you want others to help you, you need to get to know them. And small groups is a program where we can help you to do that. Here's a statement that I've heard. One of the greatest casualties in the modern church movement is genuine community. By modern church, many people mean big churches. Some people like to hate on big churches. If we lived in Tennessee, we'd actually be considered a small church. But in Northeast PA and the southern tier of New York, we are considered a small church. There, but some big churches, they get bigger by being smaller. 
There's no way that it would be effective for Bridgewater having 1,700 people. That's how many people come to Bridgewater each week, gathering together like we do this morning if we met in one location at one time. By having 11 different services at six locations, it doesn't feel like a big church. So if more than one campus is a good idea, then small groups is a great idea. And this is the key to the impact of the early church in Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, where it says this, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Can you imagine that? I mean, they had, they had unity. They, they, were, they were worshiping God together. They were sharing what God's doing in their life together. And God was adding to their number daily. I mean, we get excited when we have a, a couple salvations on a Sunday morning. Could you imagine that daily? People getting saved? I think that's amazing. So that's one of our goals also of small group, is to share with the lost. It's our responsibility to reach those who are not following Jesus. What is your plan to see them saved? Your small group can be one of the best places to do that. If not your small group, then how? Is your small group broken over lost people? What is the point of your small group? Is your group's purpose to keep everyone safe and happy until we die and go to heaven? That's not the mission that Jesus wants us on. We are to love and to care for each other as we go out into the world where the lost and broken are, and we bring them the hope of Jesus Christ. If no one in your group shares Jesus Christ with someone or invites them to your group, then you might question the mission of your group. See, because there's a spiritual level of maturity that you will never reach without a small group. Um, one of the, there is an author um, that I really like, and his name is Dr. Larry Crabb, and he wrote a book called Connecting. And oftentimes I've encouraged people, um, when I've done individual therapy, I've encouraged people to get connected. Um, oftentimes people will come for therapy and they expect the therapy to do everything for them, and yet that's the only time that they leave the house. They don't have connection. So oftentimes I'd have people go through this book called Connecting. And this is one thing that uh, Dr. Crabb says in that book. And he envisions a day when communities of God's people, ordinary Christians, whose lives connect as husband to wife, brother to sister, friend to friend, will accomplish most of the healing that we now depend on mental health professionals to provide. And that's my heart, the transformative power that we can find in Jesus Christ and in a group of believers that are working together to follow after him. Now, 